Welcome to the Breaking Through in Cybersecurity Marketing podcast, where we explore the hottest topics in cyber marketing, interview experts, and help you become a better cybersecurity marketer. Hello, and welcome to another amazing, and yes, I do say amazing a lot for all you listeners who felt the need to point that out to me. Thank you so much, mom. Another amazing episode of Breaking Through in Cybersecurity Marketing. I'm your co-host, Jana Whitmer. And Maria here. And we're so excited to have Rodrigo Leme, the Marketing Director at Right Hand Cybersecurity, and a voice of reason and knowledge all about cybersecurity awareness all about actually finding the business use case for the customers that you're selling to, and also a really smart guy on how to market to SMBs, which is not something that we hear a lot about in the cyber marketing ecosphere. A lot of us are targeting these enterprise customers. And so Rodrigo's coming in to tell us like, hey, small companies matter too, and here's how you can reach them, and here's what they care about. Rodrigo, tell us a little bit about yourself. Okay, so um, first of all, like, my uh, journey into tech, not even cybersecurity, my journey into tech started in 2006. My career started in 1999. Old, I know. I started my career before the Y2K, but I didn't even start in tech. I started as a marketing consultant, and I think that's the foundation of being so business case driven as I am, which is the foundation of everything we're going to discuss today. <laughs> And being a marketing consultant gives you a lot of perspective. Even when I joined the tech business in 2006, I work at, still as a consultant for telecom expense management companies. So it was all about understanding pain points and delivering telecom expense reductions to customers. And the journey brought me into Cisco, into the SMB business, which is another one of my specialties, another place where you have to drive business cases because most of the time you're talking to the owner, you're not talking to a CIO or a CISO. You're lucky that you have a CIO or CISO to talk to in a small or medium business. And uh, the journey into cybersecurity is very recent, by the way. And again, in a very different position, working security awareness training, which is very important in the grand scheme of cybersecurity things. Again, a non-tech position, even though we're very tech inclined because our solutions are phishing simulations. We deliver security awareness training based on adaptive learning. But still, it's all about how we deliver cybersecurity awareness throughout the entire company. So it's all about making a business case to the entire company. So in a nutshell, that's how you press over 20 years of marketing experience in two, two minutes of conversation. <laughs> I love that. Well, we can't wait to dissect all of those years of experience into this episode. So, Rodrigo, can you tell us a little bit about marketing to the SMB customer? There's the particularities that I already said, right? So SMBs, most of the time you're talking to a non-technical person. You're talking to an owner that already delivers you a pain point. But most of the time, that person is coming with the most immediate pay point, right? Let's start, let's drop the whole like consultant experience that I had before. Let's go straight to Cisco because I came to Cisco with a very clear mission. Cisco had an SMB portal 
Cisco has thousands of SMB customers and very few like enterprise customers. So they wanted a way to get all these thousands of SMB customers and connect to the thousands of SMB partners. So they created a portal. So the portal was, we offered routers, switches, Wi-Fi equipment, and we want these customers to come to the portal and say, either I have a project or I know what kind of equipment I want. So I'm going to shop online or present a project online. And these partners are going to come and say, okay, I have this equipment. I can offer you the equipment or I can offer you a proposal for this project. That's easy enough. However, most of these customers didn't know how to, either they voiced the project in a very simple way. I want Wi-Fi for my customers in my restaurant, or I want to build a network in my office, or they didn't even know what they wanted. They just wanted a router. But what do you want a router for, right? What do you want uh, Wi-Fi in your office for? So that's when I came up with the idea of adding content to that portal. So it's not just transactional. So it becomes a communication with those customers before they get to the partners. So it's a way of Cisco to talk to these guys so we can drill down, ask why, 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 like the five times you ask why to someone to get to the bottom of their problem. So you do that with content. You deliver them a content about IP telephony. Why do you need IP telephony? How do you implement IP telephony in your office? What's the possible advantages you have? And from then we started to have a real conversation with those guys. When we got to a real conversation with those guys, we delivered to the partners and the conversion rates just went through the roof. So we delivered like hotter leads to these partners. So the SMB customer has that. He has problems on the surface that he knows he has. I want Wi-Fi on my restaurant for my guests. And he has issues that he's not aware of or he has opportunities he's not aware of. Like he may have security issues behind that Wi-Fi access that he doesn't know. So either it's the role of, the, in the case of Cisco or in the case of startups such as us, it's our job to ask him questions that go to the bottom of the problem. So in my case, as a security awareness training provider, it's not just getting to a customer that comes to us and says, we need phishing simulations. It's not just about phishing simulations. What do you do after a phishing simulation? You get a report. This many people opened, these many people clicked, these many people interacted with it, this many people <laughs> bought from the fake Amazon vendor are expecting the package until today on their home or something like that. What's after that, right? What do you do after that? So you need to do training. So uh, do you have a training program in your company? Most of them are going to say, no, we don't have anything of the sort. So you do need training program. So after you do training program, are you able to sort it out? Like what the kind of risks your employees are most likely? Because sometimes phishing is not a problem. Your employees are very good at it, identifying like the real thing from a threat, but your employees suck at managing passwords. Like password one, two, three is the champion of your company. <laughs> oh you man, know? I got to change all my <laughs> so, passwords. <laughs> oh, you have to change your passwords, Maria. Sorry about <laughs> that. I, I didn't want to expose that. So... You need to have that kind of empathy. And that's something that we champion at right hand. We talk the same way with small, medium businesses, the way we talk with enterprise companies, because sometimes they share the same things. They have problems on the surface, but they also have, and that it all comes down. We're going to talk about this today as well, but it all comes down to business cases. And these are the things that you only find out by talking, 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 and not just getting the first thing that's on their minds or the first or even worse, the first thing that's on your mind, right? 
because we as companies, we have a portfolio and we have priorities on our portfolio, right? The hottest thing that we're launching right now or our sales uh, champion or something of the sort. So it's not about what we want and it's not even about the first thing on their heads. Of course, they have the priority, but it's up to us to deliver the priority and whatever else it's urgent for them. So it's so, all about, sorry. No, no, that's okay. Sorry to cut you off. I wanted to go into the type of content that you've seen create hotter leads for when it does get to the sales cycle. And particularly in the SMB world, considering maybe the sales cycle is a little bit shorter. So what do you think is the piece of content that has the most influence on the deal? It's not about SMBs. Let's break a little bit here, right? Because it's nice to talk about SMBs, but in the end, we're talking to people, right? It's all about people. The CIO and the restaurant owner, they're people. So I'm going to use something that we heard from a prospect that became a friend of the company of Right Hand. One of the first meetings that he had with our CEO, he came to us and he's on the retail business, the fashion business, sorry about that. And he asks us like, how can your solution help me sell more jeans? And that's a question that kind of threw us off, right? Because how can a, even a security awareness training solution, let alone a, like a firewall solution, how can that take a company to sell more jeans? What's the path that takes you from here to there? Because usually, and I'm not criticizing anyone, but some people are looking from here to here, right? like from point A to point B. This guy is looking from point A to bottom line all the way through because that's the mandate he has as either a business owner or a CISO. Doesn't matter. Bottom line is on the top of their heads. Bottom line is what drives a CISO to get budget. Bottom line is what drives a business owner to survive in an SMB. Exactly. So whatever content that we bring to these guys has to have what I call baseline business case. What's the baseline business case? Whatever I do, what's the advantage of what I do for all the department heads of this organization? Why is my cybersecurity solution, why is my security awareness solution good for the CFO, for example? How am I helping the CFO with budget efficiency, for example? Security awareness training is awesome because the lower the human risk in the organization, we talk about human risk in my trade, the lower the human risk, the lower the chances you get ransomware attacks, right? Because humans are responsible for most of the ransomware attacks. That's where it starts, right? Because someone clicks where they shouldn't or something like that. Why is it good for the COO, for example? We offer compliance solutions. So it's good for ESO frameworks, right? It's good to be compliant. Why is it good for the CMO? If you get ransomware, is it good for your reputation? Is it good for a financial institution that gets a data breach? Is it good for PR? It's awful. Right. And the upside, we can bring this case later, but good cybersecurity is great for PR if you market it right. For CHROs, cybersecurity is great for culture, right? Especially the training aspects. But a culture of security is good for HR. Sales, if you're a secure company, if you have a culture of security, it doesn't matter if it's through platform or through training, availability of sales ops, it's a must-have for any sales director, right? And so on. I can make the case for every... This is what I call baseline business case. So this is what every organization should want from cybersecurity. It changes from 
organization to organization. It depends on the nature. It depends on the industry. But everybody should want that. And that's what we do when we deliver marketing assets. We should deliver first. Of course, we need the technical. We need the white papers that explain the technical aspects of the solution so the technical people can understand what are the ins and outs of the solution. But we also need assets that explain, and we need pages, we need landing pages, assets, whatever, that explain what are the benefits that go beyond the realm of the CISO. Because this CISO is going to go to a boardroom meeting. This CISO is going to give interviews about the results. This CISO is going to give interviews about what you helped him build in terms of cybersecurity, how it helped the end customer to achieve something in terms of security. Right. But most important, very first thing, this CISO is going to a boardroom meeting and say, we need this kind of solution. First of all, it needs to sell the concept. We need this kind of solution. So I need this budget to drive this. And okay, he sold the concept. He got the budget. Who's the very first vendor that he has in mind? The one that helped him make the business case. Mm -hmm. So. There's no a magic being here. You just need the baseline business case. You need to understand for that guy what's more important, how he wins hearts and minds of the, and now bottom line, how you help that guy sell more jeans, how you help that guy open more checking accounts, how you help that guy wash more clothes at the end of the month, like if it's a laundry or whatever. Bottom line, yeah. that's yeah. all that matters. Or how, or how you help them look good, really, with the, their team and their boss, right? Yep, exactly. That's so brilliant. It's so simple, Rodrigo, but it's a thing that a lot of us miss because we get caught up in the features and technicals and benefits and only selling to, you know, the CISO, the CIO, the director of IT. The CISO and the CIO have to sell, like you said, to the CEO. They have to sell to the person who writes the check for them. You know, we're all like, oh, they're the check writer. Well, sure. But like they have to pull from a budget that got allocated to them based off of a business use case, right? It is about what can we do for the business? It boils down to it. And But in the pre-call, we were talking about a very interesting use case for a customer. You're talking about Walmart, right, yeah. Rodrigo? Can you tell us a little bit about how Walmart used yes, cybersecurity I, for PR? I just love this case. And I'm a big fan of Ira Winkler, who recently took over Walmart in cybersecurity. I'm a fan. <laughs> I do sound like, like a groupie, but I can't help it. <laughs> I loved Ira even before he joined Walmart, so I'm not like pushing anything here. Ira, if you're listening, I'm not trying to sell anything, but I loved you even before you joined Walmart. <laughs> He's a brilliant cybersecurity mind. He's a brilliant cybersecurity mind because I have him as a reference of a guy who sees the business, just not only cybersecurity. You see his books on security awareness, he sees through it, right? And uh, Walmart, being Walmart, being this gigantic organization, they develop most of their things in-house, right? But even developing things in-house, it applies to vendors as well. They saved $4 million from elderly customers who got into gift card scans, right? So in a mm -hmm. nutshell, for those who never... I think it's hard <laughs> not hearing of gift card scans because these are old as telephones, but... Elderly customers get a call from people saying, oh, okay, you have these issues with the IRS or whatever, and you need to pay up. Otherwise, we're going to arrest you. So you can pay up. You go to Walmart, you buy a gift card, and you give us the code for that gift card, then we're good. 
So Walmart developed systems that get these red flags from gift card purchases. So it's connected with uh, police reports. So they can recover the funds from these purchases before these gift cards are used. They work it with the Department of, of Justice and they recovered four millions. I know it's a drop in the ocean. I think the amount of money lost to gift card scams is a hundred million per year or something of the sort. But it's a step on the right way. And honestly, they got into CNBC, they got into CNN, they got into Fox News. They got PR out of a cybersecurity initiative. That's amazing. And uh, that's amazing, honestly. Like, if you're the vendor who can understand Walmart is its own vendor, fine. But let's say you're the vendor who can find a solution for a major financial institution, a solution that can help deliver a solution that avoids losses to that financial institution. And of course, CNBC is not interested in a big financial institution saving money for itself. But let's say that you're protecting those customers from getting into scams that make those people lose their mortgage money, their college funds or whatever. You're saving them a million that it, even if it's a million or two million per year, that's good PR. That only happens if you understand the end customer pain points, not the immediate pain points of the organization. Mm -hmm. That only happens if you drill down the business case from top to bottom, from the CISO concerns to the bottom line, because the CISO also has those concerns and he also has a major desire to get you those pain points. And sometimes he doesn't have the bandwidth or the vision to get to these himself. He wants someone from the outside to look into his organization and see the opportunities that he can see himself. There's the old saying about consultants, right? Consultant is a person that you pay a lot of money to sell the things that you already knew, but you didn't see. So it's harsh, but sometimes it's true. Sometimes you're so involved with the day-to-day -day stuff that you need someone from the outside. And that's where we as vendors, and now I'm talking seriously, I'm not making jokes. That's where we as vendors, with the perspective, with the portfolio of customers, with the experience of having served people in the same industry as that guy, come and say, oh, we've seen cases such as yours before. Let us test a few theories. Let us talk to you. Let us talk to your team. If we have access to other department heads, let us interview these people. Let us make the best cybersecurity solution, not only for your immediate problems, but also for the business case. So we can make it solid, not just for you, but for the entire organization. Yeah, that's so true. And, and doesn't that make it just so much easier to connect your value proposition of your product to that emotional connection of either the end user or the end user's customer? When you do make that connection to beyond just the immediate value, I think it's so much easier to add emotion to it. It's easier if we connect with our personal lives, right? Do you just work for your paycheck? Yes. Right? <laughs> I work for the blame, yes. right? <laughs> no, it's... Of course, we do like the money. We do like to get paid. And uh, we as vendors, we do like to get paid. The CISO as a professional likes to get paid. But there's, it's easier to connect with the customer, the prospect, if we do find the higher purpose. That guy's higher purpose, our higher purpose as vendors. What 
is that guy looking for? He's looking for a seat in the table, right? There's many organizations out there. We always think of customers as those perfect organizations where, okay, there's the boardroom, the CIO is sitting here, and the CISO is sitting right here. And sometimes that's not true. Sometimes the CIO guy, this organization does not even have a CISO, right? Does not even have a cybersecurity dedicated team. Sometimes cybersecurity is an afterthought in organizations that should have some a CISO or should have a cybersecurity dedicated team. So things are not beautiful, as beautiful as we want them to be. So we should be looking into these higher purpose, right? We should be looking into what does this guy is looking for? Sometimes this guy is looking for a seat on the table and we only help him find this seat on the table. Sometimes he has, actually has the seat on the table, but he doesn't have much say on budget stuff. Sometimes he has a baseline budget and he has to work with that and he wants more because he believes more can be done. So what are we doing to help him achieve that, the higher purpose? right? It's not just about the paycheck. That person is looking for a vendor that can help him do the stuff that he wants to do, achieve the mission, get to that dream state where he's on CNBC talking about how he helped the end customer save their lives from cyber criminals, you know? Or even like you said in our pre-call, just help a restaurant owner attract or a cafe owner attract more customers because now they have Wi-Fi that people can come and buy a coffee and have a Wi-Fi in the store. Yeah, I want to expand my restaurant, but expanding my restaurant means I want to double my revenue, but I don't want to double my expenses. Technology can help me achieve that, right? And let's go back to cybersecurity and let's go back to SMBs. It's bad when Colonial Pipeline has to pay $42 million for a ransomware attack. Yes, it is bad. But it's catastrophic when a small town has to pay like $5 million in ransomware. So a small town is a small business. And we've seen cases in the past when small municipalities had to pay a lot of money for ransomware attacks and they pretty much got broke. Right? There's plenty of cases in the U.S. about that. So these are small businesses as well. They're not small in any geographical sense, but uh, they're small business. So how do we help these organizations achieve that higher purpose of being secure and keeping their heads above water, right? Because this is catastrophic. They pay ransomware, they close the door. We're not just talking about providing Wi-Fi. We're not just talking about, okay, I want IP telephony because it's super cool. Like okay, redirecting my calls, that's super nice. Like, okay, but you get a data breach, you lose your data, you're broke yeah. pretty much. How do you, you don't have cyber insurance, you don't have a fall safe, you're broke. So how do we help these guys that just want a, a technological solution? How do we help them see that? And how do we help them do that? on a budget-conscious way. And now we'd like to take a moment to thank our sponsors and producers, Hacker Valley Media. Chris Cochran and Ron Eddings run an amazing studio here, which produces not only the Breaking Through in Cybersecurity Marketing podcast, but a bunch of other shows that you're going to want to listen to as well. So all these shows plus more, and then on top of that, probably even more coming soon are available to look at, listen to, and sponsor at HackerValley.com. Make sure you go over there and say, hey, Gianna and Maria said I should come check out your website, listen to your shows, and uh, sponsor a podcast or two. 
So Rodrigo, I'm so curious about your opinion on this. So a lot of things we try to steer away from and we advocate kind of against in the society is FUD, fear, uncertainty, and doubt. What are your thoughts on FUD and marketing to these SMBs and in these business use cases? What do you think? I don't like it. Uh, honestly, I'm a positive person. You listeners do not know me, but Maria and Jenna, we've, we've, we've <laughs> talked a few times before and I'm always like, I'm always turn things into jokes and whatever. So I'm, I'm always a positive person. When the year ended, last year ended, I tried to do like a different approach on social media for our right hand because no one is watching, you know? So <laughs> I did some posts like on, on the last day of Christmas, my CISO gave to me and we started listing benefits from our security awareness training. So that's what I like to do. I like to come from, again, business case. I'm going to pitch. I'm going to pitch my stuff here. Uh, so we do have adaptive learning security awareness training solution, which is pretty unique to our market. Unique as per Wednesday when this episode dropped, which is pretty unique to the market. And when we talk about the adaptive learning solution, we always talk from the perspective of the user. We're skipping the CISO, we're skipping the security awareness team, and we're going straight to that designer that works inside the company. We're going straight to that data analyst working inside the company. We talk to that person that your user can sit on the couch and take five minutes of security awareness training on the couch on an Uber ride. That person can get a nudge to get their daily training, and they can set the schedule to get that nudge at the time they want to. We tell them that the training, instead of getting everybody on the same room to watch the same videos, the same slides together, they're going to get customized, personalized training based on their assessments. So it's unique to them. It's unique to their needs. So it's not cluttered. So everything we say is based on that person that's going to consume the training. So I'm not up to say... Oh, if you don't get our phishing simulation training, your guys are going to click on so many malicious emails. It's going to be crazy. Like you're going to <laughs> drown in ransomware. Like <laughs> it's not about this. And I do not go to the season and say, you got to crack the whip with these guys because they're clicking on so many malicious emails. So. It's not about that. Security awareness training, first of all, we do not advocate for punitive cultures. Mm -hmm. And I do not advocate for punitive marketing. So that's the company culture. That's my culture. That's why I work for them. That's why they work with me. In a gist, that's it. I do not like fear, uncertainty, and doubt. I do believe that since we are in the education business, I do like educating. We do believe in empathy. We listen to our customers. We do ask the why, 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 five times why to understand the pain points of the customers. And I do provide lots of whys to them on the assets. Why should you do this? Why is it good for your people? Why is it good for you? Why is it good for your boardroom? Why is it good for your CMO? Why is it good for your CFO? We don't need to do that. We don't need to cater to fear. We love it because a lot of people will default to that fear to that small customer because they're thinking, that small customer, that smaller, that SMB, there's a way to say if ransomware takes hold, it's going to be pretty bad for you without being a scary monster about it. And you can sell in a more positive way, like you were just saying, like cybersecurity awareness training is 
like one of the, I'm not going to say easy, but it's like one of the things you could do without buying a $50,000 product, whatever, a year thing. It's something you can deploy to everybody on your team and it provides security and helps improve the cybersecurity maturity of your organization easily. So, But the cards are on the table. Everybody knows the risks of ransomware. Everybody yeah. knows the risk of data breach. Like it's on the news today. You don't even need to say these things. Like this was something that you need to go to specialized uh, news channels to know about. But today it's on mainstream media, right? So you never need it, in my point of view. You never need it to play with fear. But these days people are very much aware of that. You do not build a solution with your customer, regardless of size, if you start with fear. You need to understand they know the stakes. If they come to you, they know the stakes. And most of our customers come to us with the need for education. And not just because they're afraid of the consequences, but they want their team to understand, for example, sometimes it's not even about risks. It's, sometimes it's about compliance. I work, uh, some of our customers need to deal with the California Protection Act, for example, or GDPR, for example. So they need their employees to be aware of compliance because they're dealing with customer data. So they want their employees to be empathetic to the responsibilities of working with customer data. So that's not fear. That's empathy to be better servers to their end customers. So it's not about fear. It's about being better professionals and productive without compromising their work or their productivity. That's it. Awesome. So let's go into another topic that you Mm -hmm. sort of hinted at earlier, which is post-sales support. What are some best practices or some success stories you've seen around supporting the post-sales process after you've sold a product? And of course, in cybersecurity awareness training, of course, that'll be you know, more applicable to that than potentially other services and products, but it's still important for every cybersecurity company. Uh, There's a reason there's a thing called customer marketing now. I'm going to go with us again, because that's something that we have as a priority for us. Like we are a startup and being a startup, that's, as I say, that's no excuse being a startup, but we do that. We do the customer first approach, right? So we do have a customer success manager and that's the person with the finger on the pulse. After we onboard the customer, this customer success manager is responsible for doing, as I said before, the five times why stuff. So what's your, not only your relationship with the solution, but what's going on in your industry? What's going on in, on your day-to-day? What are the challenges that you're facing? How can we make your, not only our solution better, but what can we bring to you that will help your end customer, your organization better? What can we bring to you? What's going on? Right. If we can, we can. If we can't, we can't. I always say that we take that into development. So there's another process inside our team that we bring all of these into the production, into the product team. And then we allow customers to upvote the ideas that are brought from customer success. So let's say that I'm going to give an example out of top of my head, like G Suite integration with our platform came up from a customer and it was chosen by other customers as something that they wanted to see. So we developed that for the customers. So we brought back. So that's a post-sales success story. And that's something that we are always doing. We're always like feeding back from, we're bringing stuff from the customers inside the company and we are allowing customers to say, okay, this is desirable. 
the community says what's desirable. And we're always looking for talent to do exactly that. So the same empathy that we show, that we need to show as markets, I have to show the same empathy that I push myself to have as a marketer to top from bottom line, the same provocation that I carry from Steve to in my mind, like, how do I help that guy sell more jeans, right? Mm-hmm. We as a team inside the company, when we do post sales, of course, we live on annual recurring revenue. That's the kind of sales that we do. So we are worried in sell- about selling the solution. And we are worried about how many users are onboarding the solution. Because after we sell it, these users have to download the training, have to start engaging with the training, have to start engaging with the fishing simulations. But that's not just a concern with the contract. That's a concern about, okay, are we really reducing human risk? If we're not, how can we help them? Can we help them leverage managed services? Can we sit down with them and help build stronger content, training content? Can we help them develop? Are they having problem creating content for the training? So can we help their process? Can we make a feature that will help them drive something that takes 10 clicks to two clicks? That's the kind of concern. Empathy has to drive marketing and sales all the way throughout post sales. Empathy makes me create assets that, again, business bottom line basics. And empathy is the thing that makes product team think, okay, can we make two clicks instead of 10? So post sales success is about empathy, again. And there's no other way but listening to the customer as to what's desirable, what makes your life easier, not only with the solutions that we have right now, but with the challenges that you're having hand. Among all these things that we can do for you, what's desirable for everybody, okay, voice of customer, and how fast can we bring this to you? So it's all about agility as well. And as we grow, we still try to make these things happen in the speed and urgency that these guys need. So empathy, empathy, empathy. Everything's empathy. Mm-hmm. I'm going to ask an oddball question because I'm an oddball. So <laughs> what's my Rodri- favorite food? No, we're going to get to that though. Actually, what is your favorite food? Oh, wow. I you brought it up. Question, uh, yeah. Feijoada. <laughs> Only with caipirinha. Yeah. Uh, my favorite food. I developed quite a taste for, and don't laugh at me, but uh, when I was in Canada, I developed quite a taste for beaver tails. So I got to say beaver tails is my favorite food. We just won the Oddball Award. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So you guys got to Google beaver tails. You guys who are not from Canada, eh? You guys got to Google beaver tails. It's delicious. But if you guys are from America... You, I gotta say ribs. Oh, <laughs> oh I know what that is now. Well, what about, right. in, uh, what about Brazil? Feijoada, of course. <laughs> if you guys are from the US, you probably gotta Google two things, feijoada and beaver tails. But if you're guys, <laughs> so turn on your, <laughs> turn on your audio choices for US listeners. Rips. <laughs> <laughs> we'll, do, yeah. we'll do targeted. We'll just switch out what your favorite is based on where the person is. <laughs> when I worked for Cisco, every time I went to San Jose, I was addicted to Olive Garden. Don't ask me why. But there was a time I was addicted to Olive Garden. But Rips is my favorite American-based food. Love it. 
Maria, how is this a food podcast? Like every episode. It always ends up connecting to food somehow. I mean, this is connecting the business case all the way, right? This is a good example. (laughs) Mind blown. (laughs) So Rodrigo, the oddball question I was going to ask before we went super oddball, all thanks to you. (laughs) And thank you for that, by the way. (laughs) Was going to be, I don't know if you have something off the top of your head, but like, do you have like a weird business use case that you made? Ever? I'd be so curious if there was like something that was like, this is the value prop connection that we're making here. I'm wondering if there's anything totally zany. Like maybe it's also a circus it, or something. <laughs> does it count a weird industry I work it with? Yeah, tell us. Outside of tech? Sure. I work it marketing for the adult industry for a year. This is, this I, is I, how we're I, getting to our, our I, non-sponsorable podcast. I, I can be totally clean talking about it. I talked about it in interviews and stuff, so <laughs> job interviews. So I work at the adult industry for a year, and that's another place where empathy goes a long way as well. Mm. No tongue-in-cheek here, but uh, you have to be completely understanding about other people's choices. It's about ways of living. So it's where your empathy is most tested. And that's the place where empathy goes a long way. So uh, that was a good training about understanding other people's issues and how you deliver solutions. And I work at hard marketing, like storefront, because it was a chain of stores here in Brazil project that we work at. So it was storefront as customer facing stuff, like literally facing, like talking to customers and the whole like uh, asset development and customer research. So you have to be very open-minded and very understanding of different uh, kinds of people, different preferences and different viewpoints. So that's how you practice understanding and listening most of all listening and uh, delivering what people need the way they want it. So, yeah. that's a- It's funny because this question that had the least chance of being oddball about food became like the oddball one and the oddball thing became the most serious thing. But yeah, it's... <laughs> I work at the adult industry. It was a chain of uh, adult stars and uh, it was very eye-opening and very interesting in in a sense it's about finding the business case but it's customer driven right it's for people it's not for companies but every company is composed of people like you said exactly so it's about understanding people so it was very interesting in that sense learned a lot from that that's really cool maybe what i don't know if we can but maybe one day i'll have you back on to talk about that (laughs) maybe we'll start a new podcast (laughs) called interesting marketing or oddball marketing maria should we play our game Cool. Yes. Do you want to do the game? Yes, let's do the game. Oh, you want me to, to get yeah, started? Yeah, you want to explain it? or <laughs> I'll explain it if you want. I'm just, just like, don't want to uh, No, no, I'll take it. I'll take okay. it. So, Rodrigo, we always like to ask our guests, or actually we'd like to guess what type of career or job they would be doing if they weren't currently a cybersecurity marketer. So, Gian and I will take turns and guess what would be your career, and then you can tell us how wrong we are or how wrong I am because Gianna usually gets this right. So, <laughs> and Gianna's celebrating. I hate you. Okay. Okay. So I'm going to guess first. 
Um, Rodrigo, if you weren't in cybersecurity marketing today, I think you would actually be a security practitioner. So kind of on the other side of the table. So somewhere IT security engineering. No, no. <laughs> Shut down. I have a chance. Gianna comes in with the, I don't know, a sports term. So Rodrigo, this one, I am going to guess that you would be the owner of a new hockey league in Canada called the Beaver Tails. <laughs> oh uh, no. Damn it. <laughs> oh, it's very specific, Gianna. Very scary. specific. <laughs> <laughs> okay, what would you be doing today? I would pretty much like to be a writer for TV. Oh, wow. Where did you go? I was going to say it's in television, but I changed it because in your background, which the listeners can't see, I see like sports figurines. I changed it. I would have won this. If you had said hockey coach, I would be very tempted to say yes, but you had to say hockey owner, which is a lot of stuff. Which is a lot of stuff and not all of them are funny. (laughs) But writing is my passion. I started with content when I was in college. I wanted to be a copywriter. And to an extent, I am a copywriter today. Like my first approach to everything is copy. I'm old school like that. I start with copy with everything. So yeah, I would be a writer and I love television. I love, so I love script writing. So being very specific, I would be a writer of pretty much anything, but TV, movies, that's where I would try my hand at. I can still try. Like I going to retire someday when I get millionaire by doing cybersecurity marketing, right? Mm-hmm. One right hand IPOs for one bajillion dollars, which is a number. Right? Gazillion dollars. <laughs> well, we look forward to watching. I mean, maybe you could write the Cybersecurity Marketing Society's upcoming drama on HBO. Yeah. And the Netflix movie. Yeah. The story. Oh God. I'm, okay. All which right, is the everybody. coolest? Which is the coolest? Being an HBO TV series or a Netflix movie? It's hard to tell today. I don't know. I think it's like HBO because they're like the yeah. cool brand, right? Yeah, I think HBO is better today, right? Dark. Marie, what do you think? I don't know. I, I mean, <laughs> I'm a bad example. We like subscribe to all of them. It's terrible. We canceled cable and thought we're going to not do cable because we want to be rebellious and save money. And then we ended up spending it on other subscriptions. <laughs> Cut <laughs> the cable. Cut the cable. And then you spend more money on streaming yep. than you spent on cable. Yep. That's exactly yeah, what's I know happening. It, it well, happens. Well, wherever your show ends up, we'll be listening and promoting it in the show notes. Rodrigo, where do people find you? Where can people contact you if they so want to do that? Yeah. So the usual places, LinkedIn, Twitter, Facebook. I do not go to Facebook other to do corporate stuff. Honestly, I got tired of Facebook, but LinkedIn and Twitter are the most like I swear to God, I'm going to finish my website sometime this week or the next one. So you guys can go to rodrigolemmkt.com.br to get it. You guys provide links on the... Yes. Because my name is so hard, it's so ethnic. So you guys are going to get the link on the podcast description. 
And yes. um, you guys are going to find like a very sympathetic page with my picture smiling on it, smirking, not smiling, with my channels on it. But uh, somewhere in the next week or maybe <laughs> knowing that the episode's going to drop next week, maybe I'll finish the page like over the weekend or something. So this episode is <laughs> actually going to drop in three months. So if you all have oh, not, right. if the website is not up and live by the time this episode airs, everyone knows how to contact oh. Rodrigo. And you guys feel free, any listeners, feel free to just like LinkedIn message him and say, hey, Rodrigo, why isn't your Where's site done yet? Where the hell's your page? <laughs> <laughs> Why are you saying that it's still in construction? Because I'm a, I'm an artisan. I do not do things on your urgency. I do things on my inspiration, you know? Good for you. That's, that's, yeah. that's a good lesson to take to heart. All right. Thanks, everybody, for listening. Thank you, Rodrigo, for being on. We had a blast. Thank We're going to have you back on in the future so we can dive deeper into some topics around content and, and use cases and other things that you find interesting. So everybody listening, if you want to be on the show, send a note to podcasts within us at HackerValley.com, Hacker Valley being our magnanimous producers. If you want to join the Cybersecurity Marketing Society and continue the conversation with cybersecurity marketers, a large group of friends, a huge community now of over 1,000 of your fellow cybersecurity marketers, just visit CybersecurityMarketingSociety.com, also linked in the show notes, and apply to join our group. We'll see you next Wednesday. Make sure to like and subscribe. Bye. Thanks for joining us. Bye-bye. Thank you.